The following is a presentation of Bridges Community Church. Our teacher today is Pastor Ken Jung. For more information on Bridges Community Church, visit us online at www.bridgescc.org. Good morning. Glad to be with you this, this morning. All right, I was waiting for you to say good morning. I guess I speak too fast. Anyways, um, that song we just sang, I mean, all the songs, but that song is, is so precious because this is the name that God told Moses to call him by. And it was this sacred name that the Jews, they didn't even put the vowel, you know, the consonants in it. We put the consonants in to pronounce Yahweh. And we can do a whole sermon on this, but we won't. But when you hear this, it's like, this is God's sacred name. And it meant that he's going to make a relationship with us. That he's pursuing us for a deep, intimate, transforming relationship to impact our communities and our world. That's what that name means. And when we sing that song, we're proclaiming this is the God who wants to change lives. And um, today, this morning, I know your uh, notes say chapter one, but it's chapter four. We're going to talk about Jesus changing the life of not just one person, but a whole community of people. And what makes this really special is, in the historical context, these were Gentiles, Samaritans to be more specific. And we'll go into all to the, the context Nate did a great job. You know, he's talking, we're talking about breaking the mold. And, and that's probably put into the larger context. The larger context is our, what we call our spiritual DNA. This year, the focus is on making commitments. And the, most in, the biggest and most important commitment that we're going to make is to Jesus Christ. Hence, breaking the mold. And it's the idea to live intentionally for the gospel story. And Nate and others have talked about this idea of eating pie. And I have it here in your notes. But it's to pray for five friends, five family members, just five people. Invite them to your spiritual community. That could be hiking. It doesn't have to be a Bible study. It could be a time of serving, of impact day, impact plus, um, different ways to invite them. It could be Christmas caroling. It could be to the Easter egg hunt. And then E means to engage in spiritual conversations. And if you've been with us for the past, I guess we're three months in roughly, a little past three months, that's been our hope, that all of us would pray for these people to live intentionally for the gospel, to invite them and engage them in conversations. And in fact, that's what Jesus does here. In the next sermon series, again, I'm just giving you a big, just so you know, it's all connected together Um, We've been preaching through Romans, chapters 1 through 4. And if I could summarize it, it would be something like this. That sinful and broken people can be forgiven and made whole through Christ. And that's what the last sermon series was. And this present series, this is the first one of eight, we're calling this Conversations with Jesus. We're going to go through the Gospel of John and highlight different conversations. And on your um, bulletin, each week there's going to be like a Tip of the week, so to speak, just to make it even easier for you to track us. And today we're talking about um, identifying bridges to cross these borders. John 4, this is a very familiar passage. And when you look at this, some of us are going to take a step back and say, Oh, gosh, I've heard this sermon before. Or I've done this Bible study two or three times. And and what what could we possibly get from this Um. But I'm hoping as you hang on here, as we go through this, that you'll be challenged. So you'll either see yourself as, yes, the Samaritan woman, someone who's broken, 
Or, in fact, we want to challenge you to see yourself as Jesus, to be, quote, like Jesus, and to initiate spiritual conversations. That's our hope. So I'm calling this Conversations Without Borders. And when I was about 19 or 20 years old, I had this chance to go to Mexico with my church. And at that time, I had a slight tan, probably a little darker, living in Southern California. And we went there for about a week, a great time. Um, not, I mean, here, what we do here is you work with the orphans. We were building a home for this family. Great time, played in the dirt, played uh, football, soccer. And I remember that time was so special because we would just spend time with the people. Some of us were bilingual. I wasn't, obviously. But it was a good time. And I remember coming back through the border. You know, they, they check, you know, make sure... And unfortunately, at this time, I got darker and darker. And of course, I didn't shower for the whole week, right? My hair, as you know, it's, it's, I just cut it, by the way, okay? So if you're Chinese, you should say, Ken, that's a nice haircut, okay? Anyways, if my hair was just growing out like this, and my skin just started peeling, and I was really dark, pretty, pretty morbid looking, to be honest, I haven't used the outhouse either, so I wasn't looking too good. But they stopped us at the border. And I remember my mom telling me, you know, maybe you should take a, a picture of your photo ID and just, just, just in case. I'm like, oh, come on. That's, don't. Okay, if I have to take it, I'll take it. And so they're going through the van. And, you know, they're just doing a quick spot check. You know, you know they just do it really quick. And you can get by in maybe five minutes or sometimes it's 50 minutes, as you, as you guys know. Well, ours took a lot longer because when they got to me, they just looked at me funny. Like, where are you going? You're not crossing this border. Who do you think you, I mean, you know, who do you think you are? I'm getting a little nervous, of course. And so fortunately, of course, I pull out my copy of my driver's license and all this ID stuff. And they said, okay, you can go through. My point is this. Throughout life, you're going to come across borders when you try to share your faith. And they're going, to, they're going to stop you. They're going to impede your progress. And you're going to feel maybe nervous, inadequate. Maybe you don't feel like you don't have the knowledge. You're going to feel like, I'm not Jesus. I'm not the Apostle Paul. And you're going to be checked at these borders. And what we're going to try to do through this sermon today is we're going to highlight four borders that we need to cross. And, and two are going to be put together, but we're going to highlight four borders. And perhaps in this context, it's important to remember this prayer as we begin. I'll talk about the prayer a little later. But the setting of the story is verses 1 to 6. So perhaps the Pharisees, says when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making, more, was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. So perhaps the Pharisees, with this rivalry, maybe they're spreading some rumors, we're not sure. But at any rate, Jesus goes to a different way. As the text continues, it says this, And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sitchar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, where he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. What is interesting here is that as Jesus is going through this area, as he's crossing into this area, there's three possible routes he could have taken. 
but he chose the shortest route. Well, that makes sense, right? The shortest distance is a straight line kind of thing. So Jesus takes the shortest distance. But what's interesting about this is that most of the time, orthodox, conservative, you know, good Jews would not take this route. Because why? It had to go through Samaria. Now, we would say, well, that's crazy. Just go through the shortest route. But there was this animosity between these two groups. But Jesus, in fact, said, I'm going to go this way. I'm going to choose the shortest route, even though I know I got to go through this dreaded Samaria area. And it was approximately the 6th hour, which is um, 12 o'clock. It's roughly noontime. That's the setting that all this takes place. And as you turn through your notes, I wanted you to recall a, a, a prayer that traditionally most Jewish males would pray. And it went something like this. Blessed are you, O God, for not making me a Gentile, a non-Jew, Gentile, for not making me a slave, I'm free, or a woman, because I am male. And what's really exciting, I mean, all these are great touching points. I mean, there's, I mean, there's just so much content we could talk about. But what's really beautiful, if I may use this really cool tangent really quick, is when you look at Galatians 3.28 and the Apostle Paul, who is a male, Orthodox, quote, Jew, steeped in Judaism, knew the law inside out. He says what? In Christ, there's no slaves nor free, male or female, Jew or Greek. And he talks about the gospel transcending and breaking through these borders of culture, of religion, of relationships, of gender. And that's a beautiful thing that we have in Jesus Christ. So as they go across, keep that in mind, that daily prayer. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For disciples had gone into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman from Samaria? For Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Now, it depends on which scholar and which person you trust, but Different theories about this. One theory is that the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along because in 722, Assyria conquered the northern kingdom. We don't have time to go into all the history, but it was united under David and Solomon and broke, sorry, Saul, David, Solomon. Then we had a divided kingdom. Northern kingdom, southern kingdom, 10 up on top, two on the bottom, just making it simplistic, okay? In 722, Assyria takes over the northern kingdom. And we don't hear from a biblical standpoint about the northern kingdom again. From then on out, it's the southern kingdom. It goes to Babylon. At any rate, here's the theory. That when the Assyrians took over the northern kingdom and took over, I mean, they killed a lot of people, obviously. And the ones that they brought back, eventually they intermarried with these Assyrians. And of course, they had children and everything like that. And that's why, historically, some explain there is this deep animosity. You're not real Jews. Yeah, part of your lineages go back to Abraham. But you know what? Most recently, it goes to Assyria. And Assyria conquered us. How dare you intermarry with our enemies? How dare you have children with the people who have conquered our own people? And that's one theory, that there's this deep 
deep-seated hatred and animosity. In fact, John goes out, he probably exaggerates, he says, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Well, obviously they had some dealings because the disciples went in food, so they could interact a little, but yes, there's this idea that if a Samaritan had this jar, I'm going to get some water. No, it's contaminated. It's polluted. I don't, I don't want that. And so when she says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink for me, a woman of Samaria, to 4-9, he's trying to bridge this, what we call culture, the culture border. And I want you to remember this principle, because we're going to come back to it later. The process of enrichment. The process of enrichment. I know you don't have a lot of space for your notes. So what is this process of enrichment that we're going to talk about? But it's the idea of humbling ourselves, honoring others, and basically saying, I can be enriched from other people. I can be enriched from other cultures. I can be enriched from other values. I mean, of course, if they contradict the Bible, that's not what I'm saying. But I can learn from the different peoples and different tribes and different nations. It's to be enriched. And that's what's going to be going on here. It's that when we have conversations, we learn from one another. Let's continue in the passage. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God, and what an understatement. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus is God's gift. Give me a drink. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. I mean, she's physically thirsty. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? She's obviously thinking about physical thirst, physical water. Are you greater than our father Jacob? I mean, it's rhetorical. You're not, you can't be greater than Jacob. He gave us this well and drank from himself as sudden as sons and livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Well, yeah, of course. I'm going to be thirsty again. But here's the contrast. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give to him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And the woman is hooked on this. She's hooked on this analogy, this metaphor that Jesus is talking about. She's thinking, wow, I will never have to come here again. I will never have to come out here in the dry heat. In other words, have you ever asked yourself a question? Why is she coming out at 12 the noontime? See, we'll learn later about her reputation, perhaps, or what she's done. Is it possible that she's here by herself because she doesn't want other people to see her for a particular reason? At any rate, he talks about this living water. Now, some of you have been asking me how my diet's been doing. Some of you have been asking me, am I still going to the gym? And I want you to know, I've been going to the gym so much, I even wore my shoes by accident, you know. So I, basically, I sleep in these shoes. And then I just get out of the bed and I, I, I exercise in him. So if I told you, for example, now not all you need to lose weight like I do, I realize that. But if you can lose 30 pounds, diminish your appetite by 50%, increase your metabolism two or three times if you drank this water I had. It's been tested. It's proven. And if you just drink it, You'll lose 30 pounds. For those of you who need to lose 30 pounds, your metabolism would be... How many would take this water? Be honest. Someone said, oh, 
Only a few of you, I know, I, you know. Assuming it's healthy, right? Right? None of you? Come on, put those hands up. No one needs to lose 30 pounds like me. Okay, 15 pounds. Five pounds, come on. Oh, the hands go, I can lose five pounds. We all lose five pounds. I'd be kind of jumping up. Right? I'd, I'd be kind of mm, interested. You know, I could you know, take some shortcuts here. That's sort of what's happening here. He's saying, she's thinking physical thirst, of course. And she's saying, wow, I don't have to go to the well anymore. Oh, man, who is this guy? If, if he could really give me this water, I'll never be thirsty again. This is great news for me. And Jesus, of course, is using this as an analogy. And he says, what? This is eternal life. So in these first two examples, it's culture and it's gender. In verse 27, they talk about, you know, they marvel that he was talking with the woman. So the first two borders is a culture border and a gender border. And let's keep reading on. Jesus changes the subject. First, it was on physical water, which is actually spiritual water. Then he says, um, go call your husband. And come here. Hmm. That's not probably the question she wanted. She probably wanted to keep talking about the spiritual water. Um, I have no husband. You know, maybe the stranger. He'll just leave it at that. You know, I just say, you know, I don't have a husband. Because I'm telling the truth, right? As we learn, I don't have a husband, so I don't need to call him. But she's talking to more than just a regular person, isn't she? Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband. Oh, phew. Right? I don't have to say anymore. No problem. But then Jesus gives her the clincher. For you have had five husbands. That's in my past, right? Just some baggage we all carry. And the one you have now is not your husband. So in fact, what you have said is true. Wow. Let that sink in for a moment. And what you said is true. Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. I mean, who else could tell me about this stuff? He talks about worship. And here we have this idea of conversations about relationships. And this is a broken relationship, but this is a relationship. Jesus confronts sin. But not only does he confront sin by his question, he actually reveals that other S word that we don't like to talk about. Shame. Even if we can get beyond the, I'm a sinner. We just went through Romans 1 through 4, I'm a sinner. But now, he's going deeper. He's digging deeper into her very soul. He's hitting her where she hurts the most. He's revealing her shame. You've had five husbands, and the present one is not yours. And so the second point that we'll talk about a little later, I talked about enrichment. This is identifying a person's brokenness. Identifying a person's brokenness. I want to pause right here to make sure you understand a few things real quick. One is that I want to encourage you. This is a hard sin, right? We know it's sinful, but it's also shameful. It's embarrassing. Whether it's this sin or or alcohol or perhaps drugs or other addictions that we may have, eating, the way we treat our body. I want you to know that here at Bridges, you can find help. 
It's finding help through Jesus, but we actually have small groups to address some of these. And I would love to talk to you more about them. Celebrate recovery. Divorce recovery. And we have a group called Men Being Men. And, and these groups are here because we're broken people. And these groups are, exist at Bridges because we need to own up to our sin and our shame. And, and I'm not suggesting it's easy. I'm not suggesting I just knock on a door, go to a group, and I'm all cured, I'm all okay, I'm all whole. No. But see what Jesus is doing? He's probing deep into her soul. He's not letting her off. She wants to change the subject again. Verse 19. Um, you must be a prophet, Jesus. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, Gerizim. That's what she's talking about. But you see in Jerusalem is the place where people should worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour, the hour is coming. When neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what, is, what you know, and we worship that what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. I mean, what he means really is saying that through the line of Judah, and that's Jesus, that's where salvation comes from. It's not saying that salvation is only for the Jews. But Jesus, from the tribe of Judah, from the line of David, is a Jew. Then he says, But an hour is coming now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in truth and spirit. I want to camp out here just for a moment. We have... Crossing the, religion, the border of religion. See, it's fine if we talk to our friends about Jesus and God, but it's another thing if we start talking about where we disagree. And here, in order to cross this boundary, we have to put truth out there, don't we? You have a Muslim friend, a neighbor, perhaps, and you start talking with them. And the conversation begins to talk about Jesus. And it's, we believe in Jesus. Jesus is a holy man. We believe in the virgin birth. We believe that Jesus Christ will come back and judge the world. We have much in common about Jesus. Jesus is our holy prophet. He's a prophet in your religion too, right? You believe in the virgin birth too, right, Ken? And we have all these conversations. But they don't believe that Jesus died on the cross. They don't believe that he rose from the dead. And so we have to have hard conversations about religion too. And the beautiful thing here is that it comes to worship. And she's saying, we worship here, we worship here. And Jesus says, you know what? That's not important. True worship is when we're broken people, empowered by the Spirit. True worship is when we come to God with humility. True worship is when we come to God, not from our outside, raising hands per se, but from our inside, where we're not embarrassed to cry out to God, while we bring our, not just our sin, but we bring our shame, and together we worship God. Not because I'm better than you, not because you're better than me, but because we're all sinners. We all live lives to different degrees of shame. And only through the gospel, through the power of the gospel, can we be forgiven and made whole. And this is the lesson he's trying to teach her. That regardless of a culture border, regardless of a gender border, regardless of these broken relationships, regardless of these religious borders that that exist in all our neighbors' and friends' lives, the gospel, Jesus himself, transcends 
all these borders. That's what he's saying. And so as we keep moving along with the text, they're having this great conversation about the Messiah, and he's like, that's me. I am the one. I who speak to you and he. And just as the disciples came back, and listen to this, they marvel that he was talking to a woman. Again, because Jesus is breaking these culture and gender borders, these boundaries that he's doing. What do you seek to the woman? Now, they didn't really say that, but that's what they're thinking. Or why are you talking with her to Jesus? Again, they didn't say this, but that's what they're thinking. Like, you're a woman. You're a Samaritan. What are you seeking with our rabbi friend, Jesus? Don't you, you know, what are you doing? What, this is Jesus. He's a rabbi. He's a great learned teacher, and he's a male. And he, what, who do you see? What do you see? And then to Jesus, they're thinking, why are you talking to her? Why are you talking to that Buddhist over there? Why are you talking to that atheist? Why are you talking to that Hindu, that Sikh? Why are you making friends with that person who doesn't believe what you believe? Why are you doing that, Jesus? Why are you crossing these borders? They're so hard. Why even bother? Why don't we just stick with our own people, you know, people that we like and people we... But Jesus says, no. I am having conversations and there's no border that's going to stop me. Religious, gender, culture, broken relationships. I have come, Jesus has come to bring wholeness and forgiveness and across every single border. And he sets the example for you and I. I mean, going to a Gentile for Jesus in that time was just, I don't want to say crazy, but it just wasn't done. And then doubling that up by talking to a woman. He's having a theological conversation. Get that? He's actually having a theological conversation about religion. You know, like when you have those dinners, don't bring up politics, don't bring up religion. Jesus brings up everything. He doesn't care, and neither should you. Who cares if they call me one of those Christians that are kind of weird or always talking about Jesus? Who cares? Jesus, why are you talking to this person? Now notice, they didn't say it out loud, but Jesus knows what they're thinking. Let's continue. So the woman left her water jar. I love that. So she comes to get water. And that's the most important thing. She had no idea she was going to meet this Messiah. She had no idea she was going to meet Jesus. And she leaves her jar there. I found that so, so interesting. And then, so the woman left her water jar and went away to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out to the town and were coming to him. And when Jesus has this conversation with her, here are a few things that are happening. One, she's liberated from her sin and shame. She left her water jar. I mean, Jesus is having this truth conversation with her. Jesus says later in John 8, that the truth will set you free. And he was confronting her with her sin and shame. And she's let free from it. She's liberated from it. And she now has a voice. Most, although we're not given all the details, most likely in this context, she was shunned. I mean, she's had five husbands. And the, and the man that she's living with now is not her husband. Prob- I mean, and I don't mean this in any disrespectful way, but you wouldn't probably, she wouldn't be the most popular person, like the most, considered the most moral, you know, voice in the community. And I mean, I mean that not in any rudeful way, okay? 
but she probably didn't, was an outstanding, upstanding citizen, as you know what I mean. She's had five husbands. She probably had a bad reputation. And she was living in sin and shame. And she meets Jesus. She encounters Jesus. She has this theological conversation. Jesus is breaking every single border you can think about. And now she has a voice. She's not afraid to speak up. Something's different about her. Why should we believe her? Why should we follow what this woman said? Because she's been touched by the grace of God. And Jesus is in the process of healing her. And Jesus is in the process of making her whole. That's why we should listen to her. There's something different about her voice. There's something different about her walk. There's something different by the way she's talking about it. She's ex- something has happened to this woman. And then the disciples, as she leaves, they have this conversation about the food. And again, Jesus is meaning this in a metaphor way. I have food, and the disciples are thinking, did you give him food to eat? I mean, these guys are totally lost. My food is to do his will, the will of the Father, and accomplish his work. It's harvest time. And just to make the point clear to them, just to make the point, he says, you know, there's four months, we do this, and then there's harvest time. And what does Jesus do? He turns that upside down. He makes a big contrast. He says, you know what? It's harvest time right now. Hey, disciples, wake up. I'm talking to a Samaritan woman. We went this, the shortest route. We're not supposed to go this way. We're supposed to go around. But we went directly through this village. I talked to this woman on purpose. You caught me red-handed. I'm guilty as charged. And he says, this is the harvest. We don't need to wait four months. We don't need to wait until, and I mean this very humbly, I, I'll just say about myself, not you. I don't need to wait to share the gospel until I have a health condition. Right? I won't even talk about you guys right now. I don't need to wait until I'm on my bed, sick, and saying, oh my gosh, my time is short. I need to share the gospel. You can take that for wherever you want. But Jesus is saying, don't wait for those four months because if you and I are farmers, we do all these things, we, and then we go, oh, harvest time. Fruit's coming oh, four months later. Jesus is saying, no. One sows and another weeps. We're all part of a team. Seize the day. Don't wait. And Jesus just modeled that. Jesus took an everyday, normal conversation with water. And he crossed all these borders. And then we go from this woman to this whole community. Verse 39 and 42. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him. Because of the woman's testimony. Great. He told me that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. There must be something amazing about Jesus. And I want you to know, although we don't live in the first century, if you're here visiting or you're just checking out Bridges, great. If you encounter Jesus, if you're interested in learning more about Jesus, he'll change your life. He'll take your sin, he'll take your shame, he'll make you whole. You won't be perfect, you'll be forgiven. And Jesus will help you work through that process of becoming complete and whole. And there was something about Jesus, so they invited him back, right? They wanted to hang out with this guy from Galilee. Remember, he's a Jew. We're Samaritans. We're going to invite him back. So he stayed for two days, and then many more people believed because of his Word. See, they encountered Jesus. They experienced Jesus. And they said, it is no longer because of what you said. In other words, the woman, 
We have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Wow. Wow, I think I lost two pounds just preaching this morning. Thank you. Woo! Get those lights on hotter. No. Um, so let's wrap this up a little. Hopefully you've seen the process. We have here three blank things for you to consider. Practical suggestions for building bridges to cross these borders. The first one is simply this, enrichment. I know this is a hard one, but I want to encourage you to be humble, to honor other people, to value them, to keep having conversations, to say, I can learn from someone else. I can learn from a different person, even if they're from a different religion. Now, again, if their beliefs and values contradict Scripture and your person, then I'm not saying to follow them, but I'm saying the first one is to say, we want to cross all these borders. We want to be humble and consider the process of enrichment and say, I can grow from another person, from another nation, from another people group. I don't have it all solved because I'm an American or whatever. I can learn from other cultures. I can be enriched. And that means spending time. That means learning about their culture. That means finding interest. So enrichment is the first one. The second one is identify their brokenness or spiritual blindness. And that's exactly what happens here in the text. He sees a woman not just in sin, but a broken woman. Sin and shame. But there's also spiritual blindness because she doesn't know the truth about worship. There's also spiritual blindness with these other Samaritans because they're waiting for the Messiah, and that's Jesus right now. So when you're talking to your friend, not only am I asking you to think about it and being enriched from your conversation, learning from them, but identify, is there a broken area in his or her life? And it may not be apparent. So then you want to think about, is there a spiritual blindness that perhaps they have about Jesus, about Christianity, about creation, or or whatever? And the last principle is this. Explain how Jesus can make them whole or bring truth into their life. Explain how Jesus can make them whole or bring truth into their life. Let me wrap up with a story that I hope illustrates this point. And some of you have heard this before, but I'll say it again. I had this great opportunity to live in England for a few years. I, was starting doing, I just started my um, PhD work, and I loved going there, except that it just rains all the time. And we had two little kids and no car, and it was windy. But anyways, that's another story. I met a good friend who was doing his PhD in Buddhism. Now, I know I'm Chinese, but he's from a different culture, okay? If you understand me, you'll know what I mean. But anyways, he's from a different culture. He's from China. I'm from America, but we're both Chinese anyways. He's Chinese. He's studying Buddhism. And so you think, oh, what do we have nothing to say. We have nothing to share about. But as I got to know him, what my plan or strategy was really from right here. I just told him, I want to learn from you. I want to learn your worldview. I want to learn about Buddhism. I want to learn what makes you tick, so to speak. I want to learn what you value as a Buddhist. I want to learn what you feel is truth as a Buddhist. And we'd have these great conversations in grad school. And although my friend didn't have this, quote, brokenness like this woman here, it wasn't as, as overt, perhaps. Um, we're all broken people, but sometimes it's more overt. He had this spiritual blindness. And we talked about Jesus. He asked all these great questions about Jesus. And we'd always invite him over for Chinese New Year. 
We'd invite him over for all these different holidays. He was single. We'd invite him over to our home whenever we could. And we tried to find all these common interests. We'd go hiking and different things like that. Have all these great debates and discussions. Let them introduce to my family. So I identified his blindness because Buddhists basically had to save themselves. Right? I got to save myself. That's what Buddhism teaches. And then, so as I identified his spiritual blindness, what I wanted to do is explain how Jesus can, in this case, make him whole or bring enlightenment. So I started inviting him to church week after week, week after week. And he'd come. He'd kind of sit in the back. And, you know, we didn't go out to lunch and everything. And my friend didn't become a Christian like this woman. He didn't go back to China and lead all these people to Christ. But you know what he told me? And I want to end with this just to encourage you. He says, wow, that community, that time of worship, that's really nice. There's a lot of, I can sense there's a lot of joy there's peace. I can sense that peace that you Christians have. And, I, and, and you're telling me it's about Jesus? Yes. We're praising God because of Jesus. We're worshiping God because he's the creator of the universe. Buddhist, Buddhism, as you know, doesn't believe in the creator. And it was a great conversation and conversation and conversation and conversation. So as they close, I want to say a short prayer for all of us. I'm just going to give you a a moment, and let me just pray. Lord, like the woman at the well, we're all sinful and we're broken people, whether we want to admit it or not. But through you and the gospel, we have been forgiven. We've been been, in the process of being made whole. And we, we have all our friends and family members that we don't want to cross these borders with. But my prayer, Lord, and my prayer is that once we identify the brokenness or the blindness of people, we demonstrate and show how you can make us whole and you can bring truth because the truth will set us free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Bridges Community Church, located in Fremont, California. For more information about Bridges Community Church, please visit us online at www.bridgescc.org.